Stardate. 8675309. Is that the same? I think we've done that joke <laughs> before. Welcome you to have. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about the new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your temporary captain for the night, Grant Davis. And with me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett, Clyde Haynes. Tonight, we're going to be streaming the pod live on YouTube, Twitch. Facebook and Twitter to review and break down Star Trek Discovery season three, episode six scavengers. Before that, Mariah, can you let everyone know how to support this little podcast venture of ours? Yes, there's quite a few ways you can help us out. Actually, the first thing is to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Even if you are watching us live tonight on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed to that audio version. You can find links to everywhere you can listen to the pod at StarTrekPod.co. Also, for just $2 an episode, you can support this podcast on Patreon.com backslash or just slash uh, Star Trek Pod. And uh, you can get access to our exclusive Slack channels where we're doing watch-alongs, we're breaking down theories, we're discussing possibilities of what the music could mean. Uh, it's a great group. I love our patrons. I think they're some of the best humans in the world. Um, and if we had aliens involved, as Anson Mount is trying to help us out to do, uh, if y'all saw that news this week, that's pretty exciting. He's trying to make first contact with some aliens. Very cool. What? We can talk about it in the Slack. If you join us on Patreon for just $2 an episode. Nice. Nice. You know what is fun is listening to this podcast. Like when you're driving or you're exercising or you're hanging out around the house. But you know what's even more fun is if you watch it live and you can participate in the podcast. So if you're watching us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch, wherever you're watching us, here's what you can do. Type in capital P, capital O, capital D in your chat, and you can ask us questions, and we'll get to at the end of the show. Um, so before we jump into all of this episode, a uh -oh. mm -hmm. couple things. Like, like Clyde's pointing out, we are live right now on mm -hmm. YouTube, Hi. and we'd love to have you guys come chat with us. You can also occasionally, uh, you can see what we look like. You can see what I'm drinking, and I want to talk about this because this is not mind blowing to me. I have this beer I just got from right down the street. This place called Batch, and it's a carrot cake flavored beer. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Did you put some cream cheese weird. frosting on top though? It tastes like it already has it in it. It what? is bonkers. It's got carrot juice, nutmeg, cinnamon, vanilla, and lactose. And just stop. <laughs> it tastes like. I don't know. I only had one <laughs> sip and I was like, did I just take a sip of a, a, a milkshake? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was weird. Anyway, you are, um, you're a beer purist, so I'm a little shocked by that. But uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so you guys should watch us on YouTube because uh, you can that? see what beers Grant is drinking and the facial reaction <laughs> he gave after that first initial sip. <laughs> It's weird. I'm going to plow through it. Um, Mariah, you brought up that Anson Mount is mm -hmm. looking for aliens. Yes. I feel like we should at least discuss this a little bit here. Oh, what? man. I did not prepare notes. But yeah, he is working with um, 
essentially a scientific society and I'll look up their actual name if I had pre-prepped for this conversation instead of just talking about no, it offhand. I, I just want but, the overview. <laughs> yeah. So essentially they're, they are working to try to make contact with other intelligent life forms in the galaxy. Um, they've been doing so for a long time and Anson Mount has signed on to sort of help, I think in the, the area of bringing more attention to their work and also as like a spokesman, but okay. I'm thinking it's really unfair for these poor aliens if the first human they're going to meet is Anson Mount. I know. Handsome it's... Mount. Like he, <laughs> like they're all going to think we all look like that beautiful specimen, that chiseled jawline. <laughs> like... It's all diminishing returns. <laughs> nowhere to go but down from that. Nowhere to go. But I think it's really cool that he's using his platform as like a popular sci-fi character to now you know, hopefully help some scientists continue their mission and further our investigations into space. That is awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, also, if you have already subscribed to our YouTube page, you may have noticed this week that I put out a, we put out a little video, mm -hmm. but um, it was one that I had worked on where I, I had tried fun to, with the green screen. <laughs> I did. I, I played with the green screen. I, I tried to make one of those little, um, those, those nerdy theory videos where I'm, I'm really diving into what could have caused the burn or who could have caused the burn. And I appreciate the feedback on that. It was pretty fun making it. might try to do some more and I might try and rope you, you two into doing those with me yeah. as yeah. we go forward. <laughs> I love a good green screen. So yeah, but if you haven't checked it out, go to our YouTube page, check that out. All right, let's dive in here. Let's take a trip to the Emerald salvage yard. This episode was written by Anne Caffell Saunders, who also writes for the boys and wrote on Battlestar Galactica and it's directed by Douglas Aaron Koski, mm -hmm. who was directed on discovery before, as well as Picard. He's got, he's got the receipts. This is the one where Burnham and Giorgio go rogue. Tilly tries to tame a cat. Linus transports everywhere and Stamets makes another friend. Oh, this is a Star Trek Discovery Pod, so we don't just give you our hot takes. We give you our hot freaks. Hot freaks! Mm. All right, nice. Clyde, you want to kick things off since you weren't here last week? What'd you think? I, I like this episode a lot. Um, I don't know that that it was very surprising, um, but I liked it, right? There wasn't anything like, oh my goodness. I mean, we expected that book and Burnham would kiss at some point. Like we'd see it. We knew that there was something going on there. Um, I think three minutes into the, the episode I wrote down in my notes is Burnham going to have the shortest XO position in the history of Trek. And is she maybe the worst XO ever or the best XO ever? I don't know. So I kind of, so none of that was surprising. Um, but it was executed really well. I enjoyed seeing um, a number of things. I was super excited because I've been waiting for, I guess, two episodes now of Discovery getting some upgrades. And so the minute that they started out with that, I was I was pretty much like locked in. I was like, ah, oh, I still don't understand the whole de detached nacelles thing and why that is a cool thing, but okay. Um, and honestly... Like, isn't every episode where jo Giorgio is a badass a great episode? I mean, you, you just want to see her bully bullies. Like, I could watch that all day. Um, 
you know, and a nice fight scene with Giorgio and Burnham. I mean, come on, like this thing, this, this episode had a lot going for it. Um, and it was also, I really appreciated a different look at Stamets. I mean, Stamets is, it's almost like a brand new character this season. Um, and I'm kind of digging it. So, yeah. Uh, Mariah. Yeah, I agree with you, Clyde. I think we got to move the plot ahead in at least a very interesting way. Sometimes there's episodes where you feel like they're like, we need to just push some information ahead and get us to the next place. But we did that. We got the third black box, you know, so we got the end of this mission, but it was very entertaining. I agree. Anytime Michelle Yeoh is just being her kick-ass self, I'm here for it. Um, I also think we're finally getting a little bit more of a deeper dive into her character, which I'm also interested in beyond just her being, you know, Emperor Giorgio, this totalitarian mm-hmm. sort of person. Also, we get a Grey's Anatomy style. We're pausing the elevator kiss scene, which I am also here for. <laughs> if anyone else has watched so many of those happen throughout those seasons. Um, and then, yeah, I think I like seeing how Saru and... Michael are having to come to terms with what their relationship is like now in the future and what that's going to mean for the crew. Um, I think the Stamets, I like that we got like another toothbrushing scene, you know, between Stamets and Colber, which I appreciated towards the end. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. It's like hard for me to pinpoint like anything beyond a few moments of like kissing and kicking ass are probably my two favorite things of the episode, but I, I had a good time. It was a good ride. I'm with youth too. I think that this was a, it was a jailbreak episode. It, yes. it, you know, we got, we got a good prison break mm-hmm. and those are just, I, I think it's a very familiar template and it's, it's just pretty fun to see one of those. Um, it was a good way to bring the character book back into the story and to not dawdle on the tension going on between the Burnham and Saru uh dynamic the those characters i think they just really highlighted that she's gonna go rogue and be a wild card in that position it's actually inappropriate and it's going to be trouble if it was going to continue so i love where they go in this episode with that um getting to see a little bit more another little glimpse of what this future looks like with this kind of um slave salvage planet was another kind of interesting take and yeah overall i I think all the points that you guys pointed out it's it's fun it seemed almost as its own standalone with a few threads kind of being woven in for the larger ongoing plot and i'm i'm glad that they are taking these steps with the direction of the show. Cause I think it, it pushes the confrontation of these characters in interesting directions. I, I think one thing that is super fascinating to me is, you know, it, it's almost like that we've reboot a reboot, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are in the third season. And prior to this, we kind of always understood who the, who the, who the big bads were. You had Klingons at one point, like we, you know, you had Terrans at one point. So we kind of understand who everybody was, but what they've done in the first few episodes of, of this season is they've introduced bad guys and they haven't killed them. 
and they haven't eliminated them. And so they're just, it's almost like they're stocking the villain pond mm-hmm. with future villains to to deal with. So now we have Osira. We had the one guy from the saloon. Mm-hmm. Like it's just every once in a while, they're just these bad guys who will pop up and will be fodder for storylines for, you know, the next few seasons, I imagine. Like this time, we didn't even get to see them. That was like, right. just talk about them. I was like, oh, that, that'll be interesting. That was super fascinating. Like, what do you guys make of this uh, Osira character? The yeah, the- I saw um, the so the person who writes the Vulture recaps um, had probably one of my favorite lines this week in his review. Devin Maloney, um, he was talking about the nephew, and he said um, it's run by the Emerald Chain, or more specifically by Emerald Chain's boss Osira's meat sack of a nephew, a C average Harvard legacy daddy's hedge fund looking motherfucker whose name is not important. And I was like, that is the best line to describe that character I've yeah. ever read. <laughs> and he out. did such a great job of playing a guy that you're you're immediately like, I want to dismiss you, and at the same time, I want to turn face you and punch you in the face. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he's he immediately becomes one of those characters where you say to yourself. Oh, I'm so going to enjoy watching you die. Right. Like <laughs> right. watching Burnham, like put him in like a leg chokehold was very satisfying. And then like, as soon as he beams out, I was like, Ooh, I was really ready for Giorgio right. to just like give him another beat down. But if he is anything, like if he is like the shitty, shitty version of the person in charge, like whoever is actually in charge is going to be, intense to say the least yep. so I'm, I'm very interested and like they were sort of talking about at the federation headquarters you know the admiral was saying they were in some sort of diplomatic talks with the emerald chain um some things going on and so i wonder if you know there's sort of two things i saw happening at the end of this was like yes they got the intel but is destroying this thing either weakening them or is it going to anger them to make it even harder for these diplomatic talks to occur? So um, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be some larger repercussions from the destruction of the salvage yard. Yeah, mm. but I think the issue with that is, you know, part of what we're seeing again, it, it, this is fascinating to me because you look and go a couple seasons ago, we were looking at kind of the Federation and, you know, 10 years before Kirk and really looking at it being built, right? And we were always talking about what the Federation is supposed to be. Well, now it's like the Federation has been destroyed. We're starting over and we're still talking about building the Federation back up. So when I think about that, the one thing that I know is that the Federation would never be aligned with slavers, Mm -hmm. which is what they were. And so to me, the fact that they were enslaving people and then randomly killing people for no reason told me that you know what this is this is not a conglomerate that the federation needs to have any dealings with right um and so yeah i'm i'm not surprised that it broke off and i think when the federation really starts to get their legs underneath them this would be you know enemy number 1 for them i thought that admiral vance had a fantastic scene near the end when he's talking to Burnham and Saru to get their assessment. And like this kind of, in a way, this uh, better be the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That whole exchange, like the, like him recontextualizing things for Saru, who Mm -hmm. 
Saru's put in an awful position, but there's also a, a tinge of, of self-righteousness that was going on mm-hmm. from his perspective in, in how he didn't even think that Burnham's concerns merited being brought up as an option to Vance and Vance quickly pointed out, like, you don't know what would actually work for me either. Yeah. I'm stretched thin, but there might've been an opportunity there as well. So don't assume I also want you, you know, bringing these ideas to me. Mm -hmm. There's, and I I think that especially after Saru's whole thing about like, we're here to help you look up. It's like, wouldn't have this been the moment to come to him to be like, Hey, like, remember that, that long metaphor I gave you three weeks ago, like here is that opportunity. And, and it's perfect that he didn't because it gives Burnham the vehicle to once again, go rogue to fracture that relationship with Saru and make Saru question himself uh, as well as this trust that he's given. Because I keep thinking about, um, I think that in a preview either for the beginning of this episode or last episode, they talked again about, Saru coming from uh, the species. What, what's his Kelpian? Kelpian mm-hmm. coming from Kelpians that were pretty much the alpha predators of their planet until mm-hmm. the other species was more technologically advanced and prevented them from going through midlife pu- puberty or whatever <laughs> that made them mm-hmm. the predators. And now that he has this in him, I'm wondering how many betrayals, how many um, instances of second guessing his relationships with people might lead him to kind of giving into this a little bit more of a uh, alpha personality. Well, I, I think he needs it. He he needs a little more alpha personality in him because right now I think he, he is still stuck in the old ways. Like he's so by the book, he's a by the book captain. And you know what we've, we always see in Star Trek, is by the book captains never really work out, right? Right. There needs there, to be some flexibility there. Yes, and and he doesn't seem to understand that he the world that he's in right now is very different. He's in the wild west. He's not in this, you know, even pre pristine federation. But he's trying to make the federation like, well, we've got to hold these up deal these these we've got to up hold these ideals because this is what and i'm like dude you're the wild west people are just like killing people left and right you need a naivety right yeah you need more flexibility and a little bit more like gunslinger mentality to you right i think at the core like his core value system is obviously there like he Mm -hmm. has all the right intentions like he was saying to burnham like they have he understands her intentions and he he understands why you would move forward with that but it's like, why did everyone love Kirk? Why is Kirk this like, you know, uh, legacy legend in Starfleet? And it's because he essentially was the the Burnham of his crew. Like he was going to go a little rogue. He was going to do things a little off script. Mm-hmm. And he had Spock as his number one to help him sort of bring it back to a point of intention and a point of logic and and see it from you know, that more regulated point of view, but ultimately Kirk was the one making all the decisions. And so, you know, do I think we can, (laughs) yeah, exactly. That's what this Mm -hmm. is, is what happens when you switch it. And so I think Saru has to finally see that he can't just have a yes man as his number one, someone that's just going to always say, yes, sir. Like Burnham was who then flipped 
And, you know, it was like, well, I can't trust you if you're not willing to listen to me and like talk this out if you're just going to shut it down, you know? So. See, it's interesting you say that, Mariah, because, you know, what I was thinking the whole time was it's not even so much I can't trust you if you're not going to listen to me. What I heard Saru say was, I can't trust you if you're not going to do exactly what I say. Right. Like it, I think when you look at the like Picard's not exactly a pure Kirk rebel, mm-hmm. but what we saw week after week with Picard was he brought his staff into the ready room and they collectively had these conversations where he was like, okay. And he took the information from the room and then they did these wild and crazy kind of off script borderline jeopardize the prime directives type of moves. And so it wasn't necessarily, it was always Picard, but it was, it might've been Riker or Jordy or somebody who was going, Hey, I think we need to try something a little different. Saru is focused on making all of the decisions himself right. right now. Yeah. I don't think he's really assembled that like panel of confidants quite yet, because I think he sees Tilly as someone he can go to right now. But Tilly is still an ensign and is still looking up to Saru in this particular way. I think he's got to like figure out who else needs to be around that ready room table because like you were saying uh, on, um, you know, next generation and the same thing for, for Voyager, right? Like Mm -hmm. we had Chakotay as a very strong number one. And then we also Paris was very, you know, stubborn. We had Torres, who was also very stubborn. You know, these were hard-headed individuals, but they all managed to work on problems together. And what? and Grant's just going to nod right yeah, along sure. like he knows what I we're think, talking about. <laughs> I think I got the answer, though. I think I got the answer. First officer, Jet Reno. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, and I do want to, at some point, I mean, we could talk about it now. Who do you, it's jumping way down in the, in the episode, as far as the plot line goes, but who do you think is going to be our new number one? I, I saw the chat already sort of starting to discuss this. Well, well, do you guys agree with the decision first off? And who do you think, uh, should be the new number one? I, I don't agree with the decision, but I think for the reasons that we said, I think y- you don't need a yes man or a yes woman or yes person mm-hmm. in that seat. I think you, I think you want somebody who's going to challenge you a little bit um, and Burnham's that person. But on the other hand, I think it frees Burnham up to be the person that this era and time period needs her to be, which is, you know, someone with a little bit more time on their hands. I 100% think it was the right call. She wasn't reliable. She wasn't going to be the person he could confide in. Her mind's somewhere else, and she's one-track mind focused on that. And that, even if if Saru definitely needs someone to push him, she wasn't even doing that. She's just nodding and then doing her own thing on the side. That's not the person who challenges Saru. That's the person who constantly defies him. And and frankly, it's not a beneficial relationship for either of them. So I think he did the the smart call, cut the tie and said, you can go hang out over there in science. Maybe that will allow you the flexibility of what you need. And as far as a, a person that he should make his number two, I mean, I don't know. Can he bring Tilly in? 
Tilly, he went and confided in, and she straight up gave him the right answer. She's like, go tell the Admiral. She put you in this position. That's that's on her. That's not that's out of your hands. You need to tell the Admiral or else it jeopardizes all our relationship. It was perfect advice. It would be quite the jump for Tilly. Like, because she's still an ensign. Do I think Tilly needs to be at this collective table that's meeting more often to figure out these problems? A hundred percent. Do I see some things they've maybe plot-wise set up to create possibly Culber as our number one, which would be interesting to see a doctor in that position? Um, I think that could be a possibility because I I think he's one of the only other commander level um, like folks on the ship. So right. I've been trying to think about who is in the ranks and who's Stamets. been getting. I feel like if I don't remember their name yet, they can't. Well, I don't think it'll be Stamets because I, I don't think Stamets wants that at all. I think yeah. he'd be like, no. Um, away from what he does. You know, the other character is this, um, the blonde gal, Nielsen, Nelson, that they've put. Um, She's been taking the chair a lot. Oh, yeah. That is a possibility. They they've been giving her more and more lines every episode. She the was other, the place who, person who was playing Arium, right? Uh, and then they like took the same actress, and it's yes. not the same actress. It's not the same actress. No, I uh-huh. I looked it up because I also oh. thought that. But um, and and I mean, it could be someone who possibly played her season one. I know there was like a different actress season mm-hmm. one to the right. next season. Maybe that's what it was. I think that's what it was. Something along those lines. Um, anyway, but there's also, I mean, Linus has had some interesting plot points this oh, season. Oh man, Linus, <laughs> Linus for, is is comedy. He is yes. he's comic relief. F- Phil R said something in the chat that I liked. Um, Phil R R said Nan would have been right. the obvious choice. Yes, but she's on the seat ship. Maybe she'll come back because she was written in as a series regular for this season. So I'm like, maybe she'll come back because we need a new number one. That is a possibility. I'd love to see her back on the ship. Um, Mm. And then there's, you know, Bryce and Reese. Oh, the other one I thought might be interesting was uh, Kayla because we've been giving her all of this like stress stuff. So is this going to be the stressor (laughs) that finally breaks her? Is that she becomes the number one? I don't know. I, I actually like one more. I don't remember who said it, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to give you credit. But Willa, um, from oh, the Federation, from the, the security yeah. officer. Oh. I, I've I, I've liked her when she's shown up, um, and I think that what you need in that number one is what Burnham gave you is someone who understands the time that you're in, right? Sure. Who understands the landscape, and so I really like the idea of Willa coming on. And being number one. Well, l- let's jump away from that to, you know, a related topic. You, you talked about um, Kayla and her kind of undergoing something. Giorgio, we see, is going through seemingly PTSD from some traumatic event that she hasn't reconciled. I'm guessing from the Mirrorverse where a character name, was it Sar? Uh, I thought she was saying Sun. Sun? Mm-hmm. I, thought I, so too. I, I think it's pre-Emperor Giorgio. Her son is killed in something. I think it was Sir or Sar, according to the subtitles, but I could have been wrong. Hmm. I don't know. It sounded a lot like Sun. Oh. Okay. But I did not put on the subtitles, so you could be correct. Um, a but... third rewatch I shall have. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't love like I don't love this Giorgio that is is flawed a little bit right i i'm i miss i like the giorgio who is just like 
pure hardcore. This one where right when you need her, she's like in a trance. I'm not enjoying. Mm-hmm. Just not enjoying that. What what do you guys feel then is the desired trajectory with introducing this plot? Because it seemed to us last episode when we first got kind of the inkling that she might be kind of glitching out a little. Um, sorry if that's an inappropriate way to phrase that. But um, that it might have been in relation to Cronenberg's character doing something to her. And now she's revealed like that. This has been going on for a few weeks and I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much time has passed since she talked to Cronenberg. It's been, it said it, it's been about three weeks since they arrived. So, so, um, okay. It could have been related. He could have mm-hmm. helped in saying something just as she blinked those holograms. He said something and triggered her. Yeah. I saw someone mention, I think in the chat last week that, Cronenberg's character perhaps is also from the Mirrorverse, um, and perhaps he's able to, you know, access memories or or remind her of things that happened. Yeah, in their timeline. Um, But I know in um, I was doing some reading because they did um, a. uh, It's called Succession. It's the comics about the Mirrorverse. Um, about sort of like before, both before and after Discovery came and went and what happened after Giorgio left. And apparently in that universe, Burnham wasn't actually, like Mirrorverse Burnham wasn't dead. So I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with anything, but I just thought it was very interesting to know. She does eventually get killed by someone who ousts like someone else down the line of who's in charge, but who knows when that happened. And all kinds of fun things could ensue from there. I gotta be honest. There's a point where Giorgio says, like, that uh, Burnham says, like, you, like, trust me. And she goes, I remember at a certain point, mm-hmm. there was a Burnham who told me to trust her as well. That didn't work out so well. Was she talking about this Burnham or was she talking about the Mirrorverse one? <laughs> I think she's like, talking about Mirrorverse. Because yeah, either one of them would have worked. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel like uh, this, our, our version also probably screwed her over when she said trust me yeah i'm not sure but um i'm i'm hoping we get some more of the flashbacks and i know they've started to bring up ash tyler as well which also makes me think weird medical stuff has <laughs> happened to her like oh, no, he's good. they're gonna bring him back i don't want to hear him i don't want to see him <laughs> i want to forget he exists a lot of people love <laughs> ash tyler i think we may be anomalies that's all right uh, there was this comment here from C. Michaelakis. Cronenberg mm-hmm. uh, mentioned Terrans having a different gene. Do you think somehow he somehow modified Giorgio? There seemed like it seemed like there was something that cut out in that dynamic that or that discussion rather. Mm-hmm. Um, that it ended in a way where we don't know what happened between the end of that conversation and suddenly her just staring off into space. Mm. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm hoping we get to see the rest of that interview at some point, because it was definitely a fun dynamic between the two of them. So I hope we get to see, like, how that played out. And then, you know, like, whatever this thing that has happened to her that has now sparked all of these moments. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely feel they were threading in more hints in that scene than Mm -hmm. I probably gave it credit for the first time i watched it i want to watch it once 
So yeah, that might be something to go back and investigate. What were they saying between each other and what's the subtext? Yeah. What other things are they kind of dangling in there? And then the things we see in her flashbacks is like, obviously blood, a person's body. We see a Terran um, like badge. Mm -hmm. And then it also looked like perhaps what looked like some sort of house castle type structure. Right. Uh, I was like, is this Masters of the Universe or something? What's going on with this? Yeah. As emperor, wasn't she in a palace? So, I mean. I mean, she was on like the emperor's ship. So perhaps Mm -hmm. it's something with a palace. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah, it it seemed almost fantasy esque, mm-hmm. which is like uncharacteristic of Trek for me. Um, but it's the Mirrorverse, so anything goes. <laughs> I I liked it. I like saying that. I was like, "Oh, Lord of the Rings, what are we getting here?" We saw in the beginning of this episode. Now that I'm ju- I'm jumping all back and forth on this episode, right, we saw in the very you. beginning that the ship is getting modified, and they break apart the. I wrote nacelles, it's called okay, I, was, I was like, I wrote it down. <laughs> nacelles, nacelles, either one is fine. But, what do you think, uh, Clyde? What do I think? What about them breaking down the nacelles? Uh, about how they redesigned the ship a little bit. I mean, I loved it. Like, I loved every minute of it. Like, I was like, th- I wanted to know more. I was a little annoyed that they didn't give me more specs. I, I wanted to know like all the stuff. Well, did right. you notice when we do the pan over? Um, not only the the it's a smaller disc like thinner um mm. and then also it's we see it's now ncc 1031-a which we normally only see so this is like the next generation of the ship and typically we only see that when it's like a full rebuild instead of like a an upgrade so i thought that was an interesting choice yeah yeah but i guess maybe you know you redesigned it enough that it it has a different basically character a whole- to it I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the interfaces the are, are all different. The I, I mean, Stamets clearly says I don't know where anything's at. The badges are pretty cool. Like, yeah, everything I mean, seems super efficient. Like, oh, you just need this badge, and it does pretty much everything. It checks yeah. your email. We and finally all that. get to stop laughing about how still in the 25th century they're walking around with iPads. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which we, which I feel like has been a joke for a while. And but, all of um, them just like loving it, except for Detmer, who's just like, oh, uh, not real? something new. <laughs> I don't need more of this. I mean, I can feel that um, from the side of like a pilot who then has to relearn like a whole new system. However, True. I did think and I saw some folks on, on Twitter talking about how it was nice to see them talk about how these new systems will adapt to the person, which is sort of like what we would like to see for people who have like disabilities. It's like, instead of having to make them adapt to situations, it's like the situation adapts for them Mm -hmm. to be able to be the best and perform at their best at their job. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool. Um, Maybe for Detmer, it won't even pop up at all. (laughs) I mean, maybe, you know, it might just be like, you're not comfortable with this. So we're going to keep it flat. Um, But yeah. Like the old way. I thought the team who worked like the special effects and like props masters helped work with the team on like what all the gestures would be to work with like the right um, with our new tricorder hollow everything transporters. They had a fancy name for it, like quad button. Um, all in one badge. All in one Ooh, badge. All um, in one badge. Uber badge, <laughs> super badge. Super I, badge. I, listen, I was digging it all, so I was like, yes. 
Yeah. Finally. I think it looks cool. And I, I love them all, like specifically Linus popping in at inconvenient times, um, like our elevator kiss scene, which I'm so glad we finally got. But I was so annoyed at Linus. I was like, I was kind of annoyed. Yeah. As soon as he hit that button, I started like singing like the, the song from The Little Mermaid where it's like, kiss the girl, you know, like in <laughs> yeah. my head. I'm like, if you don't kiss this girl, I'm going to come through the screen. Um, Speaking of that kiss. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait. We're still talking about tech. I want to talk about the kiss. We'll, we'll talk about the kiss. We'll talk about the kiss. But okay. Stamets got the things out of his arms and yes. new interface for the the spore drive. I'm like, this is this is great stuff. He so, gets to play with uh, Nickelodeon Gak or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like that does new seem way girl. less uh, like like uh, of an issue or less painful in a lot of ways. Although I'd still want a chair because it seems like it's a very stressful thing that he right? goes through when it's happening. And right. so I'm like. At least something to lean on, like a bar stool. Can we put a bar stool in no, there? I think you're right. A chair, like a really comfortable, it's almost like a, a captain light chair. Right. Like he should those. be able to sit in, relax a little bit, and go, okay, mm-hmm. now let's get this thing going. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. see those pants from Silicon Valley that like have the stool built oh into the God. butt? He needs one of those, <laughs> like, but nanobot stool. He just sits and he like it forms. Yeah. Oh, maybe there is na- like uh, the tech, not like the uh, programmable, <laughs> programmable matter will like come up and make a chair for him when it actually happens. That could be cool. But not for, for nothing. It does seem like on these sh- on this ship in particular, everybody's standing quite a bit. So much. They're really like it, getting their steps in. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're if you're not like Detmer or oh, feel like everybody else is standing. If yeah. you're not moving around, your bones are just getting weaker in space, man. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah, I, I there guess. You go. Um, so the kiss. The kiss. They had at least three shots, three different angles. I think they went uh, a full 720. They <laughs> knew we needed all of that for that shot because they built it up so much. I mean, if we want to yes. start with that look across the salvage yard when they finally see each other, like you could feel like that, like, <gasps> like the gasp, you know, like the air I left the you. room moment. I um, space and time for you. Exactly. Uh, the I didn't send you a passive aggressive note. It was a passive passive hollow. You know, their their little like uh, quips together were very cute. And then like all their little moments of her having to pretend to boss him around, but she probably liked it a little bit. And they were having a very interesting time. Yeah, it was. It was good to finally get confirmation of what that relationship is, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that I needed the confirmation because I think we all just, we kind of knew. I think the moment he took his shirt off, we knew. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we knew in our hearts, but not yeah, in our minds. I, mean, I, I knew I needed to do more sit-ups. Um, <laughs> that's what I knew. Uh, no, but I, I think the thing that I liked is I was going to get annoyed if Linus shows up. Oh, and, and ruined it. And, and ruined it. And it's just another week where we go by and go, right. uh, will they, won't they? But the fact that he leaned in and did the whole mid sentence, you know, I'm taking, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this kiss. I'm not wasting another moment. Uh, I think it was great. And it was like, it felt like completion. And I was like, ah, oh, good. Finally. Yeah. I, um, sort of, moving away from the kiss for a little bit, I wanted to talk about how I thought the world building at the savage um, uh, salvage yard 
was really well done from like the swooping in and seeing all of the ships sort of hanging out in space that they've obviously been sort of pulling down through time uh, to collect pieces from to the full set of like all these different pieces, which had so many fun little references to to other treks so like there was the big bin of like comm badges and there's even a klingon badge in there some klingon stuff in there um the phaser that he first brings out to present to Giorgio was of uh i think tng era phaser um man there was like a bunch and then the everyone on twitter was also talking about this today the something with the ports it's a, it's a Deep Space Nine reference. Mm-hmm. I will find it at some point. But there's a Deep Space Nine reference to something that everyone on the internet was having a great time about. So I, I think it's fun the way that they pepper in these references throughout for folks. Even at um, at Federation headquarters, you know, when we're coming in for the big captain's meeting. We get to see the names of all of these different planetary systems and planets that we've seen throughout the series as well as um, he mentions that they need to clear a ship before they do some sort of cleanse, which is like the Cuyahoga. Yeah. Which is a reference back to that. So I thought that it's, you know, I'm having a a good time finding all the fun (laughs) Easter eggs. (laughs) Mariah, the, the chat is blowing up. Everybody wants you to know it's self healing stem bolts. Yes. Thank you. I knew, I knew the chat would come through. I mean, I don't know. We like six people said it. Does anybody else want another shot at us saying (laughs) self sealing stem bolts in the chat? Just in case uh, we missed it. Can't do it. (laughs) It's too much of a tongue twister. I wonder how much, how, if they got on the first take, Uh, I agree. I thought that the planet um, was pretty well realized. One thing that seemed a little odd to me is when the 20 slaves for what is a a massive compound to the point where I'm like, did they miss a whole bunch of people and just clear one room and then kind of kill everyone else by shooting up the place? Or could they just not get enough extras for this role? Doing it was that shift change. That's why they mm-hmm. needed the forty minutes. And so I think it was that was the shift that was leaving before the next crew was supposed to come in, and that's why oh, they had coming to... onto the planet. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, I, I was still I was like, that's not a whole lot of people, but may, maybe that's just who they had. It just seemed like such a massive compound that got shot down. Um, I but yeah, I agree. I liked how everything felt. It felt dirty and gritty and full of tetanus. <laughs> yeah. And you, I think it was meant to feel so antiquated for a reason because we, the Star Trek that we sort of know for the mo- most part has moved past the concept of like people being in debt for this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the concept of enslaved peoples. And now we're seeing both of those things sort of come into fruition at this moment. So I appreciated kind of how dirty and grimy and antiquated they made it feel because it is like this outdated idea that people have sort of just come back around to in order to essentially try to show their power in this portion of, of the galaxy. Right. Yeah. Mariah, you're, you're, you're making me think about something. Is it typically in track? And I'm, I'm thinking whether it's, TOS or TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Trek, even Enterprise for the most part, Trek is very clean. Mm-hmm. Like it's very pristine. Like it's like you, you're in space. There's not even like dust, right? Like all, all the 
the ship, the the everything that you move around is just so clean and and smooth. And much of what we've seen in the future is very dirty and grimy, and it feels more like a space western, right? Mm-hmm. It has much more of a. It's it's got much more of a a serenity feel to it, right? Like it's got much more of a. I swear those are Westworld esque uh, brands that they got in the back of their neck. Speaking <laughs> of Western feel, yeah, it felt like the little map. Yeah, the oh yeah, the swirly map. I mm-hmm. I was like, I've only seen one season of Westworld, but um, yeah. To your point, Clyde, I think it's interesting that they are trying to show. You know, it's like even in the costuming, it's everything's very mm-hmm. leather and natural materials. We even get like the wood in book ship, which I think is a a little mm-hmm. bit of a departure. But I appreciate the elements like book ship because. I think me as a person, I wouldn't want to just be in this completely sterile feeling environment all of the time, right? Do I want to be in this salvage yard? Absolutely not. But (laughs) do I appreciate that they're trying to show, I think, these, uh, you know, more human, you know, uh, approaches to space travel? That is sort of interesting to me. But to, to your point, I think they're trying to really hammer in that this is not the world that we know. Right. Yeah. It's we, definitely we making. I was gonna say. Yep. I was gonna say. It makes me want to go back and watch Firefly. Again. Yeah. Lisa says got total Firefly vibes again yep. from this episode, the Janestown episode. But also, remember when they go and rescue Inara from mm-hmm. that castle? Like in that episode, like there was this almost uh, fairy tale esque castle that she's in at one point. Um, they go pick her up there. I don't think they're rescuing her. Um. um but, but also another, that remind me of Giorgio's kind of vision of the castle. Oh, true. Um, uh, home the other, if the other, you haven't seen Firefly, you got to watch Firefly. You got to watch Firefly. It's a good, good one. Um, but what's interesting. So the writer who wrote this episode also wrote um, Pegasus for Battlestar Galactica, which is one of my favorite episodes. And good like, episode. and when you think about, you know, if anyone else is into the greater sci-fi realms of things beyond Star Trek, it's like, I think we've seen this grittier future in a lot of things, even in now I'm thinking like the Mandalorian, which is obviously another space Western. Mm. Um, I think space Westerns, uh, I made the point, I think the very first uh, or second episode of this season, um, you know, even Gene Roddenberry describes Star Trek as a, as a space Western. And so I think it's this natural fusion of because this is the quote unquote final frontier, right? Um, everything is a little bit dusty and weird and grimy as we're figuring out how things work. And for a lot of this show, beyond maybe the original series, everything sort of had its path. We had a federation in place. We had all these regulations. We had Mm -hmm. treaties already signed. We had uh, beyond Starfleet, we had the federation as well. And now we have these bare bones existences of this. And and so everything's gotten dirty again. (laughs) True. We have a couple other things we have to address. First off, um, Tilly's biggest scene was probably with Grudge the Cat. This oh, <laughs> her, the most her, cat-like thing ever is walking past the, the video screen. Anyone who has a cat right now and has to do Zoom meetings, that's all your cats love to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny 
great acting there with just the interaction with a cat and how uncomfortable she is with Crudge climbing on her back. Um, I don't know. I, I was pretty amused by that. And my theories or and or Clyde's theories that she's actually literally a queen. Oh, she's um, definitely a queen of something. <laughs> so we're going to find out. Uh, she rules some other whole realm. Queendom. Yeah. Yeah. She's in charge of something very important. I, I would guarantee it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, thought Tilly literally flew there and was like going to talk on the screen for a second. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I mean, that would be cool. I was um, expecting something similar. Like I was like, uh oh, I was just like waiting, like what's going to happen here? And then nothing. I was like, oh, OK. Right. Um, the other thing I thought we should probably bring up is, um, the, uh, of course, Stamets and Adira. Yeah, the, I really I mean, liked that. Oh, I was going to say, I really liked the scenes between them, but I'll let you keep going. Well, I was just going to say, like, it definitely has moved into this um, paternal role for Stamets, where he's seeing something of himself. He's uh, seeing this younger generation and wanting to uh, offer guidance. And there's just a, an element of, of love and compassion that especially like when when he sees how Adira has um, adjusted the the goop the the gack that he gets to play with, um, and then offers to like help him with his arm, it's very endearing, and I I buy into it. I I like it. It's it's heartwarming in a way that I think I was making fun of the first episode where they meet up because it felt mm-hmm. more like some TGIF kind of scene, but I, I blame the music in the background for that one. I I love it. I think, um, I, I don't know that we get enough of this type of relationship in Star Trek before. Um, and I think initially I was expecting more of what we typically see which is like the big brother, the bigger sibling relationship, like we would see in TNG with Wesley Crusher and Jordy and Data and whatnot. It was almost like, hey, these are my 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 big brothers, my uncles. Whereas we were looking for Wesley to have that relationship with Picard and it just never, ever happened. Now we see it. I kind of expected it was going to be Tilly and Adara, and it was going to be kind of this, again, this sibling relationship, much like Tilly and Poe. Mm. Um, but instead, I, I'm digging this idea of Stamets guiding Adira because he understands what it's like to have lost someone, but then kind of sort of have them back. Um, it, it, yeah, I'm for, for some reason, it, I'll be honest, it's a little sappy. And I don't know that it's always like right in line with what I would expect, especially from Stamets' character from the last two seasons. But for some reason, I like it and I'm bought in. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you, Clyde. I think um, it's much more of like a mentor-mentee relationship I see it now. Mm. And then, you know, I think I can also just feel the outside of their characters having a relationship. I know um, Blue to Blue has talked a lot about how um, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz were so great as far as like shepherding them into this, 
this career and this path on this set. You know, it's their first big, it's their first job out of school. So this has to be very intimidating and, and having sort of that family that's there to welcome you in. That is, uh, you know, aware of how it can be really hard for, for queer and gender, um, you know, non-binary people on sets and in working in Hollywood. So I think that the relationship feels so real because I think it is real on some elements, yeah. that mentor mentee relationship there. Um, and I've seen some people in the chat and some other folks online talking about how, you know, it, it sucks that for Gray's character, we had to see them die, you know, in order to have this additional, you know, queer and trans character on the show. That's technically, dead so perhaps we're gonna see them come back in some way shape or form like we did with, how does that work with Colbert? <laughs> i don't know star trek magic how did we get Colbert back you know <laughs> like um yeah, so i don't know gray is literally living inside of a character right but who knows it's the it's the star trek magic star trek magic we're even farther in the future so who knows but um uh, but yeah, I I also like Adira and and Gray's relationship together, and that Gray is essentially Blue's constant um, sort of ch- almost like cheerleader esque relationship. It's just like you are smart, you are capable. Like you need to make friends, get out of just working all the time. You know, I'm assuming it's very similar to what their relationship was like when Gray was alive as well as being this sort of like we need to live life sort of person because they are housing all of these memories of other people. And, but I could also see for Adira, how now having all these memories of all these other people is probably like, well, why do I need to live life? I have all these other people who've done it for me. So now I can just work. Um, so yeah, I, I'm mm. excited to see more character development there. Um, specifically with the relationship between Stamets and, um, and Adira and how they can sort of support each other and making each other better. Cause obviously even Adira has already done it by, by helping Stamets get rid of his arm ports and adapting the technology. And so, you know, one of those, these powerful minds combined shall rule the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's something sad about what's going on with Adira being kind of trapped with this person that, they had to let go, but at the same time is, is almost haunting them. And yet there was this, this kind of sweet moment of um, being able to introduce dad to your new boy, to your boyfriend <laughs> and have dad accepting of it in a way, accepting of the fact that like, I believe that you are talking to this person that, that you see them. And I don't know. It felt like there was something a little bit, something relatable, something very real going on, even, even as corny as it is. And you know, I can't handle corny stuff, Clyde. No. <laughs> no. Not even a little bit. I thought about you during this scene. I was like, I don't know if Green's going to like this scene, but yeah. um, I did. I ended good. up really liking it. That's so. good. Did you also like uh, the other scene? I thought about that is when, when uh, Colbert and Stamets are talking in bed and it gets a little, uh, it gets a little cheesy there, but I think it's just because like we now have almost uh, like philosopher Culber, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I mean, it felt unnecessary to me because I thought that 
that most of what they were saying was already expressed in the dynamic between Stamets and Adira. I think it was a little bit of fan service for all of right. the <laughs> for um, all I, of us I, who are like, we want to see gay characters just doing normal everyday things. Like <laughs> I, I appreciated it for for that element, you know, like oh, just just seeing how they interact. It's 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 cute, but for for what was expressed there, I mean. It's kind of the gist of what I was getting. It was almost just telling us what we were already told. Well, I, I thought it was a nice bow and mm-hmm. and summing up. Like, it, it's especially for a show like this, it was kind of like, look, we're just going to we're going to wrap this up just in case you may have missed the nuance here. And for me, I, I got to say, I think Colbert is crushing this season. Mm-hmm. And it makes me go back like, why the hell did we have him dead for so long? Um, what he adds to Ryan the show, Fuller. yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I just think what what he, what he's bringing to the crew and to the show is incredible. And honestly, I probably didn't mind because I was like, well, we didn't get a whole lot of him before this scene, so toss him in any scene you want because it 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 brings it brings it something, oh, right? Fair, yeah. Character, I would say he. You know, I, I've I've often talked about how Stamets have, has felt like in previous seasons a bit of the heart of this show, and I would say now it's really Colbert who's the heartbeat of this crew. Um, it, it, maybe not the heartbeat, the conscious, maybe mm. like really the conscious, the soul almost of Discovery, where everybody else has these very clear roles and clear kind of issues that they're sorting through Colbert Colbert's keep he's the anchor he keeps mm-hmm. everyone kind of grounded and so I think that touch point at the end of this episode was just kind of like it was almost like a, a just a bit of a breath like oh okay we're 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 wrapping up now okay I'm good and maybe this buttress is the point like do you think Colbert could possibly be our our number one in our next episode I think that's a fascinating candidate I, I still think willow would be better but if not willow well, who what do we know about willow she knows the song for the, <laughs> that, that everyone's playing that's like all we know about willow she knows the landscape of of this era but if not willow to me your number one has got to be mature thoughtful and provide insight that your captain may not miss. And so if you, if those are the qualities, then Colbert is a quality candidate. Clyde, you ever talk to a Gen Z kid? Uh, not if I can help it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. You know how difficult it is. I'm an old, so just, just <laughs> considering a, uh, 15 year 10 year 15 year gap trying to talk to someone and relate to them yes and having a different kind of language and familiarity with things i try and keep a, it lit all the time at a thousand years and then just be like hey willa and she's <laughs> like oh no we don't say hey here anymore and you're like shit i don't even know how to start on page one that would be i, awesome. <laughs> I think uh, it'd be too much uh you guys want to take some questions let's do it uh chris rogers says um, I do kind of hope that Adira and Gray are not permanently linked characters. I think that at some point Gray has to kind of recede into Adira's memories or something and then continues on going, don't get me wrong. I love Gray and I love this dynamic right now, but I hope it serves to lift Adira up 
to a kind of independence and confidence that doesn't seem to be there yet. That's interesting. I know they've already started filming season four and Ian Alexander and Blue DeBario are both in Toronto currently. So I'm assuming that means they're both in season four, but who knows? Could just be, they are like, we don't want to have any spoilers. So we're flying you both up. (laughs) You think they'll bring gray to life at some point? They did it once. My seal network can just rebuild people left and right. Lorca's back guys. I don't know. It would be interesting. Or maybe they they adapt something so that there is like a hologram of what Blue is seeing. So it is a more concrete character for other people to interact with. That could also be interesting. Mm. I mean, following up on that, P.W. Gregory says, I I think this is a reference to what I was saying. Mm. How do you let go of someone who's still around? Fair point. Like, Adira is haunted by... Haunted is probably... Haunted is a strong word. (laughs) Maybe it's unfair, but... I mean, at a certain point, you might want some space, right? I mean, I don't know. Literally, it, it's a 16-year-old. We haven't like established what the the sort of rules of their relationship Boundaries are. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, like, is is Gray there all the time? Is it just there? Is Gray? Um, is he just there when? You know, Adira really needs someone to to lift them up. You know, I'm not sure what the. Is it like ghost? Can can they shape pottery together? I mean, they were playing uh, the cello together. That's true. Okay. Mm. So do you think Adira can feel Grace touch? I don't know. Okay, we're getting weird now. <laughs> I see where you're going there, Grant. <laughs> you don't see where I'm going. You're assuming. <laughs> I don't know. Home Chicky says, uh, in season seven of Deep Space Nine, Esri Dax does a ritual that brings out one of Dax's precious hosts. Mm. Esri talks to the guy like Adira talks to gray well maybe we'll have to watch that one for one of our patreon episodes which you can join for two dollars an episode i don't know what deep space nine is is that a a show or (sighs) grant we're gonna get so many comments again grant you know how many extra comments we get at the end of these videos let's say uh, (laughs) if you guys get a chance if y'all get a chance, go ahead and subscribe to our video and add comments after this. Not not to our, our live comment feed, but you can comment on the video itself as well. Do it. Let us know overall if uh, if you thought we did a good job. Can <laughs> or play if I need to watch these space with nine. a mind ghost. <laughs> this is like a lot of fandoms colliding for me right now. I just mm-hmm. finished the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Don't oh, no spoilers. No spoilers. Get, no spoilers. Take green pills and you can't. You can see chess on the ceiling. It's a good time. <laughs> hey, I said um, no spoilers. I mean, I've seen the first couple episodes, but it's not a spoiler. Okay. All right. Well, I don't really know what we should be expecting for next week's episode. Ooh, I'm really excited. I'm going to rewatch. Uh, so we have unification part three coming up next week. Oh, wow. Um, so I think this week I'm going to rewatch unifications part one and two, which are uh, the talks between the Romulans and the Vulcans. <laughs> That's right. In the preview, we see, I, I just assumed it was Vulcans, but maybe it is Romul- Romulans and Vulcans. I think I saw both. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a couple more questions here. I'm just going to hit up real quick. Uh, first off, Carolyn says, do we even want Michael to get back to being in number one? I don't. I mean, maybe not this season. I think once the burn has been solved and maybe we get a reuniting with her mom, things might change, but... There's a cro- character growth going on at this point where I feel like she needs a lot more autonomy. 
And uh-huh. she won't have that in a number one position. She would have to be captain. So hmm. that's kind of where I'm leaning. Like, if she's going to level up. What if she, she takes over captain. Voyager? Sorry, I just got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then stress-free yeah, cases. That'd be cool. Uh, might a top echelon of the Federation have something to do with the burn? You know what? Yeah. This That brings up an interesting point because... I was thinking how quickly Michael Burnham has shown up here and gone, Hey, you know what? We could just find three black boxes and uh, triangulate them and, and pinpoint a source for this. And I'm like, y'all had 120 years Federation to research this and try and triangulate. If there was a possibility that you could have looked at when explosions happened, a B and C point, like you don't have webcams that could have picked up when something exploded (laughs) and check the time codes on shit. I don't Uh, know. I don't know. I'm suspicious here. So I will say if anyone watched um, the ready room this week, they always have like an extra bonus clip. So spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't watched the ready room and you're planning to earmuffs now, um, I will hear you more. It is a uh, conversation between Burnham and Tilly talking about how the third black box does show that there is a difference in the timestamps and Tilly uh, says, you know, while we have these three things, we can only triangulate in two dimensions, not three dimensions, which doesn't work out very well in space. And so they do bring up the fact though, that the Federation had essentially set up all of these like communication sensors throughout the, the galaxy in this particular area where they're trying to triangulate. But for some reason, the report from the Federation of what those sensors said at the time of the burn didn't include any of that information. So possibly there's a few rogue folks involved yeah i mean i i think we're definitely seeing that this is going to be a a a bit of a conspiracy theory for a little while and it's not it's not just clean because grant to your point this is it does sound like wow you guys have been you were here you had an up close front row view you've been here for 120 years and you got nothing burnham shows up has been here for like 365 days and she's already figuring this out. She's got two black boxes and is looking for a third. Yeah. I think the only reason why she has that is because they didn't know she was looking. Had they kn- now that they know she's looking, we'll we'll see some some impedance. That could be interesting. Up. Oh whoops. I was saying Vance is uh sus and someone says Vance is bad morale for sure. <laughs> That is good one, Carolyn. Definitely possible. Um, yeah, I'm not, also, I'm not a huge fan of Vance right now. I saw someone online. It was uh, it was a good Twitter joke. I don't remember who said it, but it, everyone is like, you know, how a lot of uh, folks are really into QAnon right now. You know, in Star Trek, instead of everything being a QAnon theory, it's just a Q theory. What if there's <laughs> what if there's a Q involved? Yes, <laughs> a, a Q ca- caused the burn. I would love for um, the what's that um, BTS is that the the J-pop or K-pop the K-pop band? group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want their fans to go after QAnon by just doing Q theories. <laughs> <laughs> just every so, time someone's talking about QAnon, just change it to Q theories. <laughs> all calling all Star Trek nerds. You yes. now have to just flood everything to do with Q anon with just Q. Let's get on it. <laughs> We Let's got flush this. it out. We got it. New mission. Uh, and that will wrap things up for us this week. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for joining us on the pod. And remember, you can find us live 
here on YouTube every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time talking Trek. Mariah, can you remind them where they can go subscribe? Yes, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, give us those five stars and tell us a few lines about what you like about the show. We really appreciate it. You can find everywhere we are available to listen or to watch at StarTrekPod.co. Um, also, you can still join us on the Patreon. It's just $2 an episode. We have about a half the season left to go before we end with new Trek. We've had such a long run. Womp, womp, womp. But still join us. We do watch-alongs. We're doing some bonus episodes. I know Mike and I are getting ready to talk some more um, about the Trill. Um, perhaps I can talk somebody into doing some episodes about uh, reunification with me over the next week. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's $2 an episode. Join us at patreon.com slash Star Trek Pod. And remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Star Trek Pod. Tweet about the episode. Um, and as always, we want to shout out to a couple people who help us out. Karen, who runs our Twitter. James Worm, who runs our Insta. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate the work that you do. Knocking it out of the park. And I do believe we will be back next week. Next week will be Thanksgiving or day of morning, whatever you are observing. We would love for you to join us and spend time uh, with us. And you can join us for the ultimate in social distance Trek entertainment next week. Mariah, where do people find you online? I am at Mariah Gossett on all social media platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Clyde. Let's see if I get this right this time. You uh, can uh, find uh. me at Clyde Haynes. Uh, and, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you can find me on the web at keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. You can find me at Baron Von Grant if you really want. Um, and we want to thank you all once again for joining us. We'll be back next week. And until then, live long, prosper. Bye.